We've all experienced it before, standing in the midst of a crowd of people, yet feeling utterly alone. It's kind of like being a daisy in a bunch of roses. So, what happens when ministry becomes a lonely place? Welcome to Hope Renewed, the podcast of PIR Ministries. Thanks for joining me for Hope Renewed. I'm Tom Jameson, and this is the in-depth podcast about pastoral renewal and restoration. It's where we explore the issues and situations that can put pastors at risk and share hope when ministry leaves us hopeless. Pastoral ministry can be lonely work. In a recent survey, 78% of pastors indicated they felt isolated. And in another survey, about 70% said they had no support group, no place to find companionship or encouragement. In his book, Pastors at Risk, Dr. Chuck Wickman cites isolation and loneliness as a major factor putting pastors at risk of an unplanned or forced exit and goes so far as to call it a deadly condition. Doctors Michael and Carrie McKenzie of Marble Retreat in Colorado have studied the significant ministry issues that can cause ministry to be a hazardous occupation. Underlying those issues, issues such as negative stress, burnout, marital problems, sexual problems and acting out, depression and conflict, underlying these are causal factors of which isolation ranks first. Along with unrealistic expectations and poor boundaries, these causal factors intensify the hazards of these issues. In other words, increased isolation and a sense of loneliness make a ministry leader more prone to the dangers of the issues they face. This is scary stuff, especially when you consider how prevalent the feelings of isolation and loneliness are in ministry. Now, loneliness isn't something new or unusual. Even the Lord recognized its dangers at creation when he said it's not good for the man to be alone. Each one of us has been created for intimacy and community. We are created to live in relationship. But that's what sin destroys. And so we live in a world where isolation and loneliness abound and wreak havoc on God's original purpose and design. Mary Somerville has described loneliness as an emotionally painful sense of not being connected to others. And I would add to that the fundamental pain of not being connected to God. This is a basic premise of ministry. We are seeking to facilitate reconciliation, reconnection with God through Jesus Christ. Our work in ministry, the pastoral call, is to combat the effect of sin separating and isolating people by connecting them with God, who is their source, and with others in the body of reconciled believers in Jesus. But is the cost to pastors their own sense of connection? Is the result of the work of ministry connecting others that ministry leaders end up isolated, lonely, and disconnected? It sure seems like it shouldn't be that way, and yet the numbers speak otherwise. Why is that? Why do pastors feel isolated and bear the weight and the danger of loneliness? Well, in the interest of awareness serving as a starting point for health, I'd like to offer a few thoughts on what can foster pastoral isolation. First is something I'll call personal pastoral predilection. 
It's how you view your call to ministry in light of your personal preferences, strengths, and goals. Now, each of us brings to ministry the uniquely and wonderfully created self God has made us to be. That's a good thing. Where it goes awry is when we place our predilections ahead of God's purposes. This fosters isolation because rather than being outward-focused in offering our gifts for God's use, we become inward-focused by desiring to have our preferences, strengths, goals, and such be the object of our ministry. Instead of building God's kingdom with the tools he has provided, we build our own kingdom. And by definition, this isolates us from God, his good purposes, and ultimately others. There's a subtle danger for which we must constantly and consistently be on guard. It's the loss of perspective of who we are in ministry. By his Spirit, the Lord grants wonderful and often powerful gifts, but they are for his glory, not ours. And like a child who is given a marvelous gift to share, but then runs off to a corner to hoard it for himself, we can isolate ourselves by using God's good gifts for selfish gain. It all goes to motive. What is the underlying purpose of your ministry? If it's inward focused, it will bring isolation. Another area is what I'll call pastoral persona. This has to do with the expectations and the idealizing of the pastor. Everyone, including the pastor, has a set of expectations and ideas about what a pastor should be. Many of these promote isolation and a feeling of loneliness. Consider that a pastor gets a title. While there is appropriate honor and distinction that goes with a title, it automatically creates separation. And this can breed isolation, either through engendering in the pastor a sense of unhealthy pride or privilege, or in others who create a pastor on the pedestal. My own experience with this was very painful, as in my effort to create authentic, life-giving relationships, I was held at arm's length, actually being told, I prefer my pastor on a pedestal. It's a very lonely place to be. There's also the pastoral bubble, the unwritten, undefined identification of the pastor as someone other than a normal person. While I can relate to you as a pastor, I can't imagine you as a guy who just does normal and natural things. How is a pastor to respond to the normal and natural things of life? All too often, the reaction is to hide them away or ignore them. I remember a pastoral friend who was severely isolated when his congregation didn't know what to do with him after his wife suddenly died. I suppose their expectation was that, as a pastor, he would just deal with it. He did, by leaving the ministry because of such a sense of isolation. Another thought to highlight is that the enemy of our souls would like to do nothing less than create separation and isolation in the body of Christ. He knows the devastating power of loneliness, and who better to target than the servants of God seeking to minister reconciliation and build community? His favorite weapons are lies because he is the deceiver and the master of deceit. He would love to convince ministry leaders that they are sufficient in and of themselves and have no need for others. After all, they are pastors, and who could really understand all that this entails? He also breeds fear that if a pastor were to truly share his struggles, doubts, and insecurities, 
he would show himself to be less than qualified for his office and subject to removal for lack of competence. Wickman describes this as an isolating fear of loss of face, grace, and place. Granted, that a pastor can't and shouldn't share his heart with everyone, but that does not mean that he shouldn't share with someone. Satan's tactic is to divide and conquer, to isolate and to devour. We are to be on guard for this. So, in light of what might foster pastoral isolation, the Mackenzies offer some lessons learned from those who are resilient in ministry and fight the tendency toward isolation that can easily afflict pastors. In each of these lessons, there is a level of intentionality which seems to be the key because of the ways in which we can slip into isolation without realizing it. They found that intentionally separating ministry and personal life opened more opportunities for connection. Along with that was intentionally connecting with your spouse, family, and close friends in non-ministry settings. Growing in self-awareness, knowing who you are and who you aren't, combats loneliness. Hobbies and exercise are excellent ways to create connection with others on non-ministry levels. It's imperative to learn to live into the rhythms God has placed in our lives and all creation and learn when to be on and when to be off. Underneath it all is the intentional daily, even moment-by-moment, pursuit of your Savior and Creator, living in the sure and certain promise that you are never alone and He will not leave you nor forsake you. This is work, sometimes the hard work of swimming against all kinds of currents that would seek to isolate you from the mainstream of God's love, His purpose, and His call. But it is work that must be done, and for which God gives us grace and strength. Don't go it alone. It's death to do so. And consider this simple challenge. What would it take to call or email someone you trust today and simply say, Can we talk? It may just provide the hope you're looking for. You can learn more about PIR Ministries at our webpage, pirministries.org. Please know we stand ready to serve you and pastors you know facing the uncertainty and pain of forced vocational transition. Thanks for listening to Hope Renewed. And remember, the hope of Christ does not put us to shame.